This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. Yesterday, the province declared a state of emergency and a stay-at-home order that is to take effect at 12.01 a.m. Now, what has many of us scratching our heads is the question, what, if anything, will be restricted tomorrow that is not already restricted today? And the answer seems to be not much. And that is probably Even more true in Brampton, where so many residents are essential workers living paycheck to paycheck, often with precarious part-time work. And many of them reluctant to take sick time because they don't get paid. And if they don't get paid, they and their families don't eat. Now, I would like to give the numbers out, especially if you or a family member is in that situation, not covered by sick pay and an essential worker keeping so many things going. The numbers, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And now I would like to welcome Brampton Mayor Patrick Brown. Hello, how are you? Hello, always great to be on your show. Thank you. Happy New Year. Well, uh, I'm not sure how happy it is, but there you go. Um, Let's start. uh, From what you can see uh, from these new orders, uh, which frankly are a little bit confusing, in in your neck of the woods, what is restricted today that uh, or tomorrow that isn't restricted today? Well, they have changed the um, operating hours of um, some uh, businesses that are still allowed to be open from 7 to 8 p.m. And they've also changed gathering limits. If you're outdoors with um, people, you can, before it was you could be um, gathering with 10 people. For example, 10 people gathered together on a toboggan hill. Now now the limit's um, five. And so the social gatherings have been curtailed. Um, even uh, further. Um, so, you know, some of these provisions are are helpful, but what I've been arguing is, you know, this is really tinkering around the edges. The, the, the two big things that we needed were isolation centers and paid sick days, and the Premier um, gave us an approval to have isolation centers, which will now be open starting next week. Oh, um, good. And, Congratulations. Uh, and our hope now is that the second part of this uh, important tool, paid sick days, will, will hopefully come soon, too. Well, okay, so uh, let's drill down on that. And uh, there really is a a big divide here. White-collar workers, unionized workers, well, they have paid sick days. But uh, workers who are part-time, precarious, low-paid, they generally do not. And uh, they are more likely than white-collar workers to be living paycheck to paycheck. So uh, you can understand why they would be reluctant to take a sick day. And, and frankly, that's where the transmission is happening. You know, in, in Brampton, um, because that's where I've got the greatest insight, uh, the, the large segment of our workforce is still, is still working. They're in transportation, logistics, food processing, fulfillment centers, and they're all considered essential. 
And my worry is um, that's where the transmission is happening. The number one source of transmission in Peel Region is industrial settings. So what are we doing to change the fact that transmission continues to rise? What are we doing to change the fact that we continue to have workplace outbreaks in these settings? And I believe paid sick days will help with that. You know, many of these workers are, they work for temp agencies that are part-time, it's precarious employment. They do not qualify for the federal benefit. And, and I should add, even the precious few that do qualify for the federal benefit, they have to wait three or four months. And if you're living paycheck to paycheck, you can't afford to wait four months. And so that's why I think you have a situation where many people are going to work, even if they have symptoms, because they cannot afford to miss a paycheck. Um, can you uh, help us out here? So, you know, the premier said he doesn't want to double down on, on a benefit offered by the federal government. So what does it take to qualify for the federal uh, sick benefit? Well, you have to be a, a full-time um, worker, and then you have to wait three or four months to to get the benefit back, and, and you're only limited to... Um, a certain number of days, and um, in many cases, those days have already been used when it came to testing um, uh, previously. And so, if not adequate, I, I know the Premier has um, said that he's speaking to Christopher Freeland about it, and he's going to try to petition the federal government to look at how this program can be fixed. You know, from my perspective, and I know John Tory is advocating for this as well, along with Mississauga Mayor Bonnie Crombie, I don't care who does this, whether it's the federal government or the provincial government, this is a tool that will make a difference. If you look at any country that has been effective at responding to COVID-19, paid sick days is one of the tools in their toolkit in responding to COVID-19. And given the fact that everything is shut down except for industrial settings and the cases continue to rise, shouldn't this be a wake-up call that we need additional tools in industrial settings to make sure that we don't have more and more workplace outbreaks. Well, absolutely. And you named politicians, but it's more than politicians. Uh, doctors are calling for this. I mean, there's a well-known uh, thing called the social determinants of health. And uh, that is key up there. No paid sick days. Uh, our top doctors have called for it. Our mayors have called for it. The leaders in hospitals uh, and uh, medical associations have been calling for this. And it seems to be, you know, another one of these where the provincial government will point at the federal government, the federal government can say, hey, we did our best. Yeah, and it is frustrating because that's what the response we're getting. The province is saying it's a federal responsibility. The federal government is saying that uh, to talk to the provinces. And, you know, for these vulnerable workers, they don't care where it comes from. Just get it done. And, you know, one of the, the nice things that happened during COVID is we saw more collaboration um, between governments. And so they've shown they can do it before. Um, when it comes to paid sick days, they all need to get in a room and, and and find a way to make this work because right now it's broken, it's not working, and it's causing transmission to continue to increase. You know, uh, I just got a notice before we went to air about a conversation between the Premier and the Prime Minister, and there was no mention that this came up. He wanted to talk about testing at airports uh, and also about vaccine supplies and rollout. So, uh, you know, I guess he's told you that he will bring it up with his buddy, Christian Freeland, but it, it doesn't seem to be a very urgent priority, at least if you look at uh, they had a conversation this morning. It wasn't there. Yeah, and I haven't been briefed on that conversation. I, I know he has told a, a few of us um, who have been lobbying to this that he, he's going to take it up with Christopher Freeland, who he has a good relationship with. 
But, you know, frankly, I hold responsibility for this, not just with the premier, both the premier and the prime minister. Um, you know, this this is something that either government could provide, um, and it shouldn't be uh, a debate about what percentage or what share each level of government um Sponsors, um, look at the economic chaos that this these outbreaks cause. You know, we keep on seeing more and more shutdowns. If we had this tool, maybe we wouldn't have to have the restrictions we're seeing. If we had paid sick days three months ago, maybe we we wouldn't be in a situation today where, frankly, everything across the board gets shut down. And so, you know, I, I really think that, given the fact that lockdowns have not been as successful as anticipated in bringing numbers down, that really we need to a rethink on what tools we could provide to where the transmission is happening. And public health has the data. Our number one source of transmission in Peel Region, which is one of Canada's hotspots, is in industrial settings. It's not at some small business. It's not at a restaurant. They're all shut down, and we know it hasn't changed the, tra- the, the trajectory of cases. We know what's happening in industrial settings. It's happening there today. It was happening there in the summer. What tools do we have available to help? And this is one of the tools that public health has recommended. This is the tool that doctors have recommended. This is the tool that worker groups have have lobbied for. And so I really hope um, that the momentum we're seeing in the press lately is going to cause governments, senior levels of government, to rethink their approach to, to paid sick days. And rather than passing the buck, We'll see a collaborative approach and a solution. Okay. Well, I know that um, when it came up before and it was going to be up to the businesses to pay for it, uh, businesses, especially small businesses, cried foul. But but this presumably would be a government benefit. So there are some businesses that do provide this. I've had businesses, you know, who have heard me talking about this in the media reach out to me. Yeah, give me an example, Amazon, where they've had a number of outbreaks and they hardly they called me business. and said they want to be good corporate citizens and are now providing paid sick days. But frankly, it's, it's, it's a patchwork response when we're saying that we're going to depend on businesses. You know, successfully, financially successful businesses may be able to afford that. But there's a lot of manufacturing companies, essential workplaces um, that are struggling themselves and, exactly. and, and they can't afford to provide it. Uh, there are a couple of other things I want to touch on with you. So um, we saw one of the things that was really disturbing is with big box stores. Number one, there's the whole issue of unfairness. It's giving a, a, a big, huge advantage against uh, smaller businesses, our local smaller businesses. These are multinational corporations. We've seen big lineups, you know, whole families lined up there. Uh, and and I've also heard from people who are upset. They don't respect seniors' hours that are, are posted. They don't respect the the limits. I mean, the Premier said he's, he's going to come down on them like an 800-pound gorilla. But uh, I'm just wondering, cutting back their hours a bit, I mean, did you expect a more fulsome response? Well, Mayor Crombie and myself um, did pass a motion at the Region Appeal uh, Council in December. And in November, we talked about it, um, saying that it made no sense to keep big box doors open um, while closing our small businesses. I, don't, I, I can't reconcile the fact that, you know, a small women's clothing store in downtown Brampton. I think of one by the name of Restyle. You know, they have three people in <laughs> it at a time and they're closed. But Walmart or Costco is selling similar product and they can have 500 people inside. And so 
and I don't support this exemption for big box stores. Um, I think it's made a difficult situation for small businesses even worse. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I know the government has said very clearly that this is um, not something they're going to change. But, you know, if, if you're asking my personal perspective, um, it's unfair. And then we passed a motion to, add that, to that effect and petitioned the, the provincial government to, to look at this differently. It's, 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 it's not just unfair. It's obviously unfair. But frankly, it's like, I don't, I don't get it. I, I don't get where it's coming from, from a government that uh, positions itself as being for the little guy. There is one more issue I've got to take up with you, Patrick, before we let you go, and that is enforcement. As far as I can see with this whole order, the thing that struck me is provisions for enforcement and uh, the government saying, okay, this time we really mean it. So how will it be enforced in Brampton? So some of these provisions will be very difficult to um, enforce. You know, municipal bylaw departments are very uh, small. Uh, and and then if you look at whether the police are going to enforce it, you know, the police are already um, have more call volumes than they have officers. And so I wouldn't want to be taking an officer off a domestic violence case or a gun and gang investigation to be fining um, kids for tobogganing in groups of more than five. And so I think these provisions are really going to rely on the goodwill and the cooperation of the public, because I think it would be unrealistic to think there are police resources or bylaw resources uh, to enforce some of these provisions. And, you know, I, I, I think that's the reality of the matter. Okay, well, uh, I hope you're right. I know that uh, in some neighborhoods in Toronto, there are literally hordes of people descending very aggressively. Um, and uh, I think it's a problem, and there needs to be some enforcement, but um, I don't know how that's going to happen. So um, I, I, it's, I know we have to let you go, Patrick, but bottom line on this, your take on this package introduced yesterday. Well, um, it, it's a step in the right direction, um, but it really is tinkering around the edges. Um, if you wanted to make a more meaningful impact in COVID transmission, um, I, I think you really need to focus on things like paid sick days. Okay. Thank you so much, Patrick Brown, Mayor of Brampton. We appreciate your time. Okay. Thank you so much. As I've been saying, there's quite a bit of confusion over what is allowed, what is not allowed, and whether any of it is enough to flatten the curve. And joining me now, Stephen Del Duca, leader of the Ontario Liberal Party. Hello, and thanks for joining us. Good afternoon, Libby. Thanks Uh, so much for having me on. Thank you for coming on. So, first of all, what is your general reaction to the measures that were introduced yesterday? I would say that, I, you know, it's a combination of both being disappointed and also, frankly, a little bit fed up with um, what seems to me to be like a bit of a game, and I hate to use that terminology for such a serious situation, that Doug Ford and his team continue to play with the people of Ontario. And what I mean by that is this notion that there are always these large gaps or, or delays in time between him warning that things are going badly, um, you know, trying to scare people well in advance, days in advance, but then the decision and the announcement about new measures lagging badly. We saw this before Christmas. We saw it even again last week up until yesterday. And then when the announcement's made after we're told by the premier that, you know, how hard he's worked and how late he stayed up and how long his cabinet meeting took place, notwithstanding all of the advice that's coming from public health leaders, I think internally, but certainly externally, 
or mayors like your previous guest, Patrick Brown and others, um, what what ultimately gets announced is weak and it's not going to get the job done. And it's got huge gaps in it, huge things missing like sick, pay, sick, uh, sick days. Is that, sick in, is that, in your opinion, the worst gap? Now, I think there are I think there are two or three gaps. So I would say the overall gap or deficit that Doug Ford's got is that there's a real lack of decisiveness or clarity coming from him. This has been true for many, many months to get a little bit more specific in the midst of where we are right now. I think paid sick leave is like there's just no excuse at this point. I don't know of a single voice that's actually said it's a bad idea. Uh, again, municipal leaders, opposition party leaders, most importantly, public health leaders are saying, screaming at the government, uh, it's got to get done. Uh, I literally watched Patrick Brown speak this morning, uh, giving his update, and he said he's, he's imploring Doug Ford to get this done, as are others. And it, it strikes me now that it's become less about the less about the policy and more about the ideology. There is something that is preventing Doug Ford from moving in this direction that's completely mind-boggling to me. A couple of other really quick ones. I don't think there should be a carve-out for big box stores the way that it is. I think any non-essential goods that they're trying to sell, they shouldn't be selling at this point. It's a fairness issue for sure, but it's also a public health issue. There's no good reason for someone to be standing in a big box store buying something that's not essential when we're dealing with the lockdown. Lastly, I don't know why he doesn't pick, Doug Ford doesn't pick up the phone and call in the Canadian Armed Forces again. We clearly still need help in our nursing homes. We clearly still need help with getting the vaccine rolled out. So those are the gaps that I saw yesterday. Uh, let's get to that big box store. And again, um, I'm confused. Like, I, I don't get, um, I mean, where is this, where does this even come from? <laughs> if you know what I mean, why give them an advantage that's contrary to public health. These are multinationals. They're taking, they're, they're taking money away from our local businesses. Yeah, look, I, I hate to say this, and this certainly shouldn't be the case in the midst of a public health crisis and an economic crisis. I think Doug Ford is listening to who's lobbying him the loudest and listening to his friends who are lobbying him the loudest, and he's, uh, and he's not at all paying attention, notwithstanding the platitudes, notwithstanding saying the right things from the podium about being in this for the small business owner or the little guy or for the people, it's, that's, all, that's all not true. I mean, and it's evidently not true, given that his language is never backed up with meaningful, competent action. And so um, I'm not saying shut down big box stores right now. I'm saying, look, if they're selling essential goods like groceries or they have pharmacies, just like my neighborhood grocery store or pharmacies open, sure, they should stay open for that. But this is now many months past the point where that's absolutely ridiculous, and yet, stubbornly, ideologically, he continues to look out for people and for organizations and companies that, frankly, don't need his help right now. Uh, the other question, and the government issued a, a so-called clarification that I didn't find very illuminating, on construction. So it was said that construction can be a problem because the workers work in close proximity to each other. They don't necessarily wear masks because it's hard to hear. They don't have very good bathroom facilities. So the government said only uh, essential construction projects can go ahead. There's a very long long list here and a pretty cursory read on on my part. All I can figure is that if your project hasn't started as of yesterday or not permitted as of yesterday, it won't start, but I can see no other restriction. 
Yeah, look, I, I am blessed. I spent a lot of my younger years, my young adulthood, working in construction during summers in between school. And so I know the industry really well. And I will say that remarkably, the industry has performed extraordinarily well during the pandemic. But given where we are right now, given that the vaccines are still being slow as they're being rolled out, um, given the numbers that are horrifying for me and for everyone in this province, I think that it would have made more sense to say truly non-essential, non-essential construction is going to have to stop. We saw, for example, on the Eglinton LRT, the Crosstown project, I think it was last week, something like 28, uh, 28 workers who uh, tested positive on that project just last week alone, which is a shockingly high number. So I know the industry's tried really hard. I know on balance it's performed well, but we're in like the most crisis, sort of crisis-esque moment of this pandemic. Uh, to keep this much of construction open again tells me Doug Ford isn't thinking on behalf of all of us. He's thinking about the people that are lobbying him the hardest, the people who are actually being doing okay. The construction industry is being booming even during the pandemic. They actually don't need the extra help at this moment. And again, I say that recognizing how important the industry is to our economy, but the numbers are horrifying. Up to potentially 10 plus thousand cases per day, overwhelming ICUs in our hospitals. It just makes no sense. Doug Ford is not in this for the people of Ontario, and he's not up to the job. Well, the construction seems to be mushrooming, and in terms of renovation, I mean, I'd be surprised if anyone who hasn't started something could actually get a person. You can't get furniture. I mean, it's it's the one yeah. thing that is booming. That's correct. And, and, that, and look, again, for our economy and for those workers and their families employed in that sector, that is a very good thing. But to stand in front of the people of Ontario and say, we're going to be limiting certain aspects of construction, but to essentially keep it as the Wild West because you're being lobbied aggressively by elements of the industry. That that like it's probably unions as well. I would think yeah, it could could very well be absolutely could very well be. And I get where they're coming from. They want to keep the businesses going. They want to keep their workers working. That's all understandable. And on balance, they've done a really good job. But for two or four weeks, as we're going through this lockdown, I think it would have been perfectly acceptable to say. We're going to be more aggressive with the lockdown in this area because we're trying to protect everything so that we get to the other side of this. We get vaccines rolled out more effectively, more quickly, and we can move back into, you know, some semblance of normal, which is, I know, what everybody wants. But it doesn't seem to me that Doug Ford, that he has any control or sense about what to do at this point in time, which is really scary as well. Okay. And do you have a sense beyond some new projects of actually, is there any kind of construction that's been restricted? I have not heard specifically in the last little while of any construction project that's being restricted. And look, I, we've got construction projects, places like York Region here in my home region. There's a hospital being built in my home community of Vaughan right now. It's a hospital. It's nearing the end of its completion. I get that that would be considered essential. It is, after all, a healthcare facility, a hospital itself. There are projects like that that are taking place that I think should be essential. But to have home renovations continuing and a whole bunch of other stuff like that, just generally speaking, continuing. And the lack of clarity uh, in this regard as well is just nonsensical to me. Okay. And finally, the issue of enforcement. I mean, we saw Sylvia Jones up there. She has empowered police, bylaw officers to enforce these rules. Um, I don't see a big appetite. You know, we've put calls into police. They don't even want to talk about it. The head of the chief of uh, chiefs of police is saying that it's up to, uh, you know, local police to decide what they enforce. 
you know, I think enforcement is obviously a critically important part of this entire process, but you can't have, it's not going to work unless there's clarity, unless everyday people understand what the rules are and how they need to abide by those rules. And what we saw yesterday, the incoherent and mixed messaging and confusing messaging coming from Doug Ford and his ministers does nothing to help most Ontarians understand what the heck they have to do. And so how, when you combine that with an uneven, arbitrary approach to the enforcement by law officers, law enforcement, not really understanding what they're supposed to do, it is, it's just about the worst way imaginable to try to navigate the remainder of this pandemic. And I, again, I just, I know I'm a partisan guy and I'm leading an opposition party, but Doug Ford's demonstrating increasingly he is not up to this job. Okay. Stephen Del Duca, thank you so much for that. Thank you. You stay safe. You too. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, before I get to break, I, people are lined up, so uh, I'm uh, at least lined up on the phone. Uh, I'm going to take a couple of calls, and don't worry, people, we will get to all of you. Let's begin with Evie in Toronto. Hi, Evie. Oh, hi. Sorry, $20 raising the piece. Um, I'm sitting here listening to this gentleman talking. Sorry, i got to take the key out. And I'm, I sound like, uh, like the movie When Harry Met Sally. I'm going, yes! Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Okay, yes. okay, we get the picture, Evie. So everything, sorry, too many yeses, right? Everything he said, everything. And when when I heard Doug Ford and those empty epithets of, uh, I can't even think of all of them. I just wanted to just vomit. We don't have the vaccines. We were having millions. What happened? I wouldn't be surprised. If Trudeau had his vaccine, but that's another story. Um, I, I just, it's so wrong. Everything has been so wrong. And the older people are are just the worst off from this. So uh, I, that's all I had to say. Okay, Evie, take it easy. <laughs> Thanks a lot for your call. Let's uh, go to Dennis in Brampton. Hi, Dennis. Hi, Libby. How are you today? Fine. How are you? I'm very confused as... Many people are. Um, the whole messaging around these changes, if there are any, is still very confusing. But specifically with respect to the sick days, I would point out uh, that the uh, Wynn government had proposed, were bringing in changes to the Employment Standards Act, which included two paid sick days for all employees. And among the things that Doug Ford did when he came to power, in addition to, to uh, cutting the uh, proposed minimum wage to $15, is he also eliminated the two paid sick days. Yep, yep. So my point is, I agree with um, Stephen Del Duca. He, he's ideologically opposed to providing that benefit. And with respect to the federal government, I understand that the Ford government is still sitting on a pile of cash that the Ford, the federal government has flowed to them to deal with the pandemic. And he's not, he's demonstrated whether it's long-term care, education, he is not wanting to spend any money. He's sitting on it. Well, they, they say they're spending a lot of money and they do outline some numbers, but, um, yeah, I think, I think you're right that there is some unspent money there. And, and lastly, with respect to long-term care, I am so upset about what's happening. I have signed the CAR petition and also the Toronto Star petition. What's happening there is a travesty. Okay, Dennis, thank you for that. 
You're welcome. Okay. Okay. Uh, People, call me back tomorrow and on Free For All Friday. I promise we'll get to it. And that's all the time we have for today. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.